Welcome to the Property Profits Podcast. My name is Travis Wells and I will be your host every single week. It is my job to bring on a specialist in every part of real estate, whether that be retail, big commercial, luxury, flipping, land, you name it. I cannot wait to introduce you to these people because there are masters at their craft out there. At the end of each podcast, my mastermind group will come on and Q&A with these people and ask real-time, real-life questions so that we can all learn. I cannot wait to see you on my podcast. Danielle, appreciate you coming back on. Uh, For people that don't know you or haven't heard the last podcast you were on, who are you? What do you do? All that good stuff. So Danielle Damiano, I'm with Brave Funding, um, and I have been in real estate and mortgage since 2001, <laughs> and I've done pretty much everything. I owned a real estate brokerage. Um, I owned a mortgage company. I've done real estate investing. I'm currently doing real estate investing, and I do lending, um, and every type of lending and also for investing. So, You're a uh, freaking rock star. <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like I've been around too long. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what have you been up to since since you were on last? Anything new? Just crazy. So I actually opened up my own uh, brokerage um, in October. So I'm a broker now where I was retail before I have a ton of more products. Um, so that has been and so it's Bray funding and powered by Axon Mortgage. And uh, that's pretty much it. I taught a virtual uh, class today. So that was fun. I'm teaching a class tomorrow. So a lot of speaking, a lot of, you know, teaching and a lot of loans. What does that mean? uh, Retail and, and brokerage? What's the difference? So retail, so you have basically three different kinds of lender. You have your bank um, and then you'll have a retail lender and then you'll have a broker. So when I was a retail lender before, um, we had the traditional conventional FHA, VA products, um, a couple different products like the debt service coverage ratio loans, but not a whole, you know, not every product out there. Um, And when you are with a retail lender, if someone comes to me to get a loan, I only have one rate sheet. So this is what I go off of, where with the broker, I have 220 different lenders right now that I can shop. So I can say, okay, you know, somebody came to me today and they said, I just became self-employed. So I was W-2, I became self-employed in October. And I was like, well, there's really only one product for you and it's called no ratio. Um, So that's a no income loan because we can't verify self-employed income if you've only been self-employed for a couple of months. Um, So anyways, I have a lot of different products on the broker side that I just don't have on the retail. Okay. And that product you mentioned, does it have a, does it have a name? That's just a no ratio loan. Yeah. So no ratio. So they don't look at any income. Um, you need a minimum 660 credit score for that loan. Unfortunately, they didn't have it. Um, but it's just, you know, a no ratio. I, I don't remember the down payment. I think it was like maybe 20% down. So as long as you have 20% down, 660 score, you're good to go. The interest rates are higher on that loan. Um, but you can get into a property with something like that and then refinance down the road. Okay. What about, uh, I guess, what about investors that already have, you know, rentals and they don't really want to refi in these high rates? 
I mean, it, it would depend on what they're looking to do. So for investment properties or for investors, we have a ton of different products. I mean, we have the traditional debt service coverage ratio loan if they're looking for a rental property. Uh, we have the fix and flips. So I'm doing quite a few of those right now. Um, 10% down typically uh, loan to cost, 90% loan to cost, and then 100% of the um, renovation costs is financed. They really don't care where the money comes from either. So they're not like seasoning, you know, sourcing and seasoning those funds. Yeah. And a lot of people that are going to refi are just generally doing it to get some cash because the hundred dollars a month they're making on their rentals probably uh not really cutting it. <laughs> not cutting it exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean we can do HELOCs, you know, they don't necessarily if they have a low rate, we can do a HELOC. Um, so it really depends on what they're trying to do. I've refinanced people that had a two and a half percent interest rate, but still saved them fifteen hundred dollars a month because I paid off all of their other debt. Yeah, that's what I was that's where I was headed with that too is what does the HELOC look like? What is that? What does it look like? So I have an awesome HELOC product. Um, it's a home equity line of credit for people that don't know. And uh, you can get money super quick. So you fill out the application. In fact, I had a guy fill it out yesterday. And he had been waiting like 30 days with his credit union to get some sort of an answer. Within minutes, we had an offer for him, and it was the same exact offer that he had applied for with the credit union in the same exact interest rate, which was a eight point four, I think it was. Um, so you know, and if he he could have that in five days, he can have his money quickly. That's awesome. And what what LTV was that at? Like how much equity did he have? So have? he had a ton. He had a ton of equity because he owned it free and clear. Yeah. Is it up to like 80% or what do y'all? Yeah. Yep. 80% combined loan to value. So that's one thing people need to think about or realize is that there's a combined loan to value. I have people calling me all the time. Like they want hundred percent financing almost. They don't realize that if your home is worth, you know, $400,000 and you already have a $200,000 mortgage on it, well, that HELOC that you get, that's a 50% LTV, cannot go higher than an 80% LTV, right? So you're not going to get $200,000 on a HELOC. Yeah. And uh, what about, I saw you, I've seen you doing a lot with your brand and getting these services out there and all that. How's, how's all that going? What's that looking like? I know you've been teaching on that lately too. I'm building your brand? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Honestly, consistency is key. <laughs> so just, um, you know, what I do is I don't do it because if I did do it, it wouldn't get done. Um, I have people commenting on my posts all the time and I didn't even post it. Yeah. My VA did. I'm like, oh, that post. So like my dad, the other day we were at dinner and he's like, oh, then your post today was so funny. I'm like, what post? <laughs> like, I'm too busy to even look. Plus I have a million pages. And he's like, that post about blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I have no idea what the post was. And I don't know if that sounds bad. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. Cause we're here to learn. Right. So we're here to like, I'm Just telling you my secrets. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you my secrets over here. Well, I, know, um, I know a lot of people struggle with that. That's why I was asking, you know? Honestly, I have one platform that I, that's my platform and that's what I work on. So my Facebook personal page is the only page 
that I personally do. And like my VA does not do anything with that page. Everything else she does. So TikTok, I don't even know what goes on TikTok. I see comments sometimes when they pop up, but, you know, she does all my TikTok. She does all my, you know, all of the other pages. Instagram, I'm never on Instagram. So if you, anyone messages me on Instagram, it might be two weeks before I get back to you. So, but yeah, got to hire, hire somebody, set it, forget it, automate in order to really consistently do it. Yeah. Um, are you using VAs for your business too in the mortgage industry? Yes. Yeah. So I use VAs for pretty much everything. How? So what platform, like where are you getting these VAs? Is it like a big service or are you just getting them on like, you know, uh, wherever? Where are you getting them at? So every VA that I have is either from Upwork or Fiverr. Um, believe it or not, VAs have been around for a really long time. So Jeanette, who is one of my admin VAs, she's been with me since I think it was 2013. Yeah. So she has been with me for a really, really long time. Um, she's awesome. I trust her. She's amazing. And she's not, she's part-time with me. So she also, she does, works for me in the morning. And then she's a full-time transaction coordinator for a real estate agent out of Vegas, I think it is. And then she works with me after that. So, That's and huge. then I hired, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How are you using her in your, in your business? If you don't mind me asking, if I'm digging too deep, let me know. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. yeah so she, I use her for everything, just like stupid stuff. If I need her to upload my contacts into the CRM, cause I don't want to do that. Um, if I need her, just any, I need a marketing flyer or whatever. I use her for all of that stuff. Um, she also, so my podcast, this is funny because when I wanted to do a podcast, I talked to a bunch of different people and it's going to cost this and that and blah, blah, blah for the podcast. I was like, I feel like I can do this on my own and good old chat GPT helped me out with that. <laughs> It wrote my intro. And so then I just recorded the intro. Um, she did my thumbnail. Uh, she put it together. She picked the music. She put it on Buzzsprouts. And so she got that whole thing done. And then I ended up hiring her daughter. So her daughter handles all of my social media stuff now. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so what about uh what about any flips, rentals? Are you doing wholesaling? Are you doing any of that stuff too? I know you're super busy with with mortgage and done all these lines of real estate. So flipping, I'm doing I have a fix and flip right now, loan that I'm doing for somebody. Um, and we have five fix and flip properties right now in the middle of you know, all different stages. Um, one of them is finally, it was supposed to close last week on Friday. So fingers crossed it closes next week. Um, but yeah, so the, the market's a little different now than when we went under contract with all of those fix and flips. So where we thought we were going to be, you know, pricing that property to sell and where it's actually selling are two different things. Are you going to end up okay on all of them, you think? Yeah, well, well, there's one that we're like, uh, the profit is so small and it still hasn't even sold yet. So we'll see. Um, we ended up getting into a bad, bad manufactured home deal. And when we we thought it was a like, smoking deal, $40,000, like minutes to Fifth Avenue in Naples, like Fifth Ave is like the, you know, what's that street in Beverly Hills? I can't remember, but 
Um, it's like, you know, that, you know, it's so awesome. You could ride your bike. It literally has been on the market for over well, a year. I think it's been a year. No, like nine months. Tell us about that deal so we could avoid whatever, whatever happened there. Cause that's why well, we're here. 40 grand sounds awesome. Right. And like the location was so good when uh, my husband got into it. Cause he does, he doesn't do the work. He subcontracts it, but his company is one that oversees it. The whole thing, it was like a piece of crap. Like he had to redo the floors. You could see the dirt. He had to redo from top to bottom. So that's number one problem. Okay. Number two problem is that it's old. And so most lenders will not finance a manufactured home. And I think it's, I can't remember the year, but I want to say 78 um, and it's 72. So that's problem number two. Problem number three is that it's in a co-op. So a lot of lenders, even if they'll do an older home, are not going to do a co-op or a condo. It's like classified as a condo. So those are the things when you're dealing with manufactured homes that you need to look for, because if no one can get financing on it, well, not everyone can afford $150,000, you know, for a single wide, (laughs) you know? I was going to say, well, why didn't y'all just uh, sell it on a note, but you put a lot of money in this thing. Yeah, and we could. I mean, we still could do that if we, you know, if we wanted to do owner financing or whatever. I just bought a St. Joseph. I'm going to try that and see how do you know what that is. Is that that little thing you put in the yard and for good yeah, luck? It's, yeah, it's an actual like saint. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes with a prayer. They sell them on Amazon. I bought five. <laughs> so that's an awesome tip. <laughs> And and what about, so you're doing all these flips right now and you said you have five flips going on. Are those all in your backyard? In this area? Yeah. How do you recommend uh, people manage five flips is a lot. How do you recommend people going about that, managing that? So if it wasn't us doing the work, I, I don't, you would have to get somebody that you really, really trust um to oversee everything and even the people that we have like if we go away they're not showing up on the job you know you got to stay on top of them um and especially in our market because we are still i mean a year it was set, not this past september the september before we got hit with the hurricane really bad so there's still a lot of properties that are just destroyed. There's a ton of work for contractors. So they're not all, they're busy, you know, they're really busy. Um, so my husband's the one that kind of manages all of that stuff, but you definitely have to stay on top of them. How are you finding these deals? You got five flips going on and you got to get them at a steep ass discount. So how are you finding five flips at a time to take down and, and, and do that? Um, So a couple of different ways. We do get a lot of stuff from wholesalers. There's a pretty big wholesaler in our market that's been around forever and ever and ever. That's all they do is wholesale properties. Um, I mean, I think they've been around since like 03 or something like that. So the wholesalers will get deals from them. Um, Sometimes they'll have those deals locked up and they come back on the market even the MLS, um, the one that I'm doing right now, the loan for, it was an auction property. So we got it off the auction. So we're not, you know, doing things to try and get off market properties and stuff like that yet. Yeah. Um, now I did write a book 
not too long ago. It's on Amazon, um, Short Sale Secrets Unlocked. And back in the day when the market crashed, I did a ton of pre-foreclosure. I mean, I was literally door knocking. I would pull the list of Liz pendants and I was door knocking these people. And then it was so bad back then that you know, the word would spread. Oh, my cousin needs this, you know, my sister. So I went from like crying because my whole world was falling apart in 2008 to having, I don't even remember how many listings, but a ton of listings. And I had to hire short sale negotiators for them. And I just built my business with short sales. So I do think it's going to come back again. um, And I'm already starting to see that up. So I think that's a great market to tap into. I think you're in one of the most competitive markets when it comes to wholesaling. So you said you had a good wholesaler. Do the numbers actually, I mean, are they they don't inflate them, I'm assuming, if you buy them from them. But like most wholesalers there, I see these crazy numbers when I look into that market, you know. You know why? Because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. There, I look at some of these properties that I get from email lists and I'm like, oh my God, if a new investor was getting in and thought that was a killer deal just because they got an email that said it was a killer deal, like they're going to lose big time. You have to know, like if I, this is my personal opinion and you're the one that does all of the wholesaling, so you can tell me what you think, but you really need to know how to pull comps. If you don't know how to pull comps, you're going to be at a loss. Because if you take a wholesaler's word for what the value of the property is, because some of these values are totally not accurate at all, then, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of the newbie wholesalers are really jacking up the prices trying to get it. But the ones that have been around for a long time, they know what what they're going to sell for. And so they're actually like at the right deal. Like you're like, oh, this is a good deal. You know what I mean? Where the other people I'm like, what? You're crazy. Okay, good. I was just, I didn't know if there was some magic sauce that you're about to drop on how, how you could pay more for their deals because it's crazy. No, no but their, their assignment fees, I, I mean, some of them are a little bit more, but a lot of them are like 10 grand. You know, yeah. they want to be in and out of the deal. They put like 500 bucks down in escrow. They're not putting even a lot of money in escrow. Their contracts are super tight. Like they know what they're doing. They've been around forever and they're not going to try and screw you because that's their reputation, you know, and they get their deals sold through people like us. So they have to be like make us profitable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Actual flippers. Exactly. We're going to open up Q&A here. JP, what you got? Sorry. Hey, Daniel, I appreciate you uh, hopping on again. I'm always good to see you. Um, I love that question from Travis because it's funny, you know, out here in, in Florida, um, wholesaling, it's, I just, I, I lose a lot of deals to people who are inexperienced and somehow, I mean, a lot of times they end up moving. Um, and I, unfortunately, I think it is to some inexperienced investors and that's not a market I really want to play in is that, yeah. you know, some inexperienced investors are buying them up. Um, at a higher dollar value. And I do see some of those crazy valuations way, way, way too often um, coming out of some some people, even with some moderate experience. Right. Um, but I think my biggest thing, uh, my biggest takeaway is probably the VAs that you have on, on, on staff and that are working for you. How do you find, uh, I guess, how'd you train up your more generalist VA? You know, you said she's doing marketing flyers for you. She's doing 
um, email list. She's over here, social media, she's there, there, you know, do you train her up and then just let her take the reins from there? Or, or is she pretty, you know, on point with, you know, what you need? Or I guess, how are you, how are you managing through that? So I think two things. First of all, um, she's been with me for a while. So, and it, so she just, uh, and she's also, your best hires are people that you don't really need to train. They should know what to do and say, oh, I'm just going to do this. You know, like you could say, hey, I need X, Y, Z. And they should be like, okay, and go and do it. If you have to train them how to do it, because you're hiring people to do things that you don't want to do or you don't know how to do. So you want to find people that are better than you to do that type of work. And I think it just also depends, though, on what it is you need done. So like a flyer is a flyer. She can send it to me, know that that doesn't look good or I'm not picky. So I'm like, sure, go with it. Like consistency is better than perfection. So, you know, I'll look at things and just, you know, okay things. I'm not super, super picky. But um, if it's a process that you specifically have and want done, yes, you have to train them. And it can be frustrating. I mean, you're spending a lot more time in the beginning up front. I'm going through that right now. I have a, I also sell a CRM for real estate and mortgage uh, professionals. I launched it in June. It's called Done by One. And um, I'm now getting, you know, people buying the, the CRM. And so I'm going through a phase where I am so busy with a million things that I'm trying to like help get like just being pulled in a million different directions. So figure out what you want to do and figure out if there's a service or a VA that can basically take that off of your back. So for me, I was training my VA and then I stumbled upon a service that actually does the same exact thing that I need my VAs to do. So now I'm like redoing, well, maybe I'm not going to have the VAs do that. I'm going to have my the service do that because it's cheaper and I don't have to train them. They already have a system down. Okay. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I appreciate that answer. That's huge. Nicole, what you got? Hey, that's great information on the VAs. I feel like that's kind of where we're at right now too, is we have some VAs and it's just like, got to train them all. But my question is when you're doing your fix and flips and you said you had one that you've been holding for nine months, like at what point do you decide to like cut your losses or drop the price so you can get rid of it? Or how long do you hold on to that while you're still making monthly payments and not making anything? Yeah. Well, that one, fortunately, we're not making monthly payments. Um, If we were making monthly payments on a mortgage or something like that, then yeah, you either need to rent that property out, um, especially if you're in a fix and flip loan. A lot of the fix and flip loans are short-term loans. So if you're in a 12-month fix and flip, you need to be out of that loan in 12 months um, or refinance it, or you can get an extension, but it's not going to be for that long. So really, if you're, because then you, you can start to like bleed money, right? I think this market, I've been in the real estate market for a while. And one of the things when I teach classes on pricing and stuff like that is when you're in an appreciating market, if the market is here, you can maybe price it a little bit higher, right? When you list it, but we're not in an appreciating market. Like I know the news wants to say that we are, but we're really not. 
And so if you're in a depreciating market, what happens is if you price it where you think it should be and the market keeps going down and you don't adjust your pricing quickly enough, you're going to always be chasing that market down. So I'll tell you what I just did on a property that was also sitting for a while. And I'm like, this thing has to go. Like, this is the one that was supposed to close last week. I took it off the market. Um, but within the MLS, when you take it off the market, it's not going to show as a new listing when it comes back on, but it will show as back on the market. And a lot of agents look at the back on the market listings. Um, so I took it off the market. I really studied the pricing. Where is this property going to sell? Um, and then I reverse prospected. I reached out to every single real estate agent that had a buyer interested, and it shows you in the MLS. Now, if you guys are investors and you're not in real estate, you're not going to have access to doing all of this stuff. Um, but you know, just so you know, so you can talk to your real estate agents, this was the strategy. When I put it back on the market, we had three offers within the first couple of days, and it came from the reverse prospecting. Did you cut the price that much when you put it back on market? I cut it like $1,000. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we priced at $369 and we're under contract at $367 or something like that. But the mistake, we started at $420, right? Because that's where we thought it would have been last January. Yeah, that's huge. And I like how you explain the appreciated markets. And, you know, I just got to say the real estate investors, uh, retail, wholesalers, whatever, mortgage, everybody, everybody that is doing well now. Can you imagine when this market pops back? Right. It's nuts. Or if they make it now, like when it comes back and everything's just for sale and people are buying like crazy, it's going to be nuts. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Markets are cyclical, so they go up and down. It's just a different season right now. Yeah. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, where could people find you? Yeah. So anyone can find me at two places. If you find, look for me on social media, it's Danielle Damiano. Um, and then my website is Bray Funding. So it stands for Berkshire Real Estate Holdings Funding. So B-R-E-H funding.com. And then my CRM is done by one. Um, but TikTok, Facebook, you can find me anywhere. Awesome. Well, thank Google you. my name. <laughs> it's good seeing you again. And thank you so much again for coming good on. Seeing you. Thank you so much, guys. Yes, Bye. Time. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please refer a friend. It would mean the world to me. And also, if you'd like to learn more about real estate investing, go to www.exclusivehousinginvestors.com. If you're interested in joining the mastermind group, email me at travis at exclusivehousingtexas.com.